There's this seemingly contradictory phenomena occurring in the United States right now. The economy appears to be heading in the right direction, right? This week, we learned the economy grew 2.9% in the fourth quarter of 2022. Inflation is easing. We saw over 200,000 new positions for people open up in December alone. But at the same time, some of the richest companies in the history of our planet are laying people off. Microsoft, 10,000 people cut. Google, 12,000 people cut. Amazon, 18,000 people cut. These aren't jobs. These are people. Why are these behemoth businesses acting like we are in a recession when the economy is looking pretty okay? That is coming up on Today Explained. Support for Today Explained comes from BetterHelp. We'd all like to find an extra hour every day for the things that really matter. Therapy might be able to help you suss out what is most important and prioritize it. And BetterHelp can make the entire process convenient and painless. You can fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist in practically no time at all. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash explain today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash explained. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences. So there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Today Explained is the podcast. Emily Stewart is our guest. Vox is where she writes about the economy. So she seemed like the right person to ask why tens of thousands of people are getting laid off by some of the wealthiest companies in the history of humanity when it seems like the economy is heading in the right direction. So we asked her. Yes, there are a lot of high-profile layoffs, but these are layoffs that make headlines and that are prominent on Twitter, and they are not actually a giant part of of the labor force. These are relatively quite small compared to all of the workers in the United States of America. So why are the richest companies laying people off if the economy's about to maybe turn the corner? Well, I think you kind of need to break it down by sector, by company. And to be clear here, there isn't a clear answer on why each company is doing this and each company has their own reasons, right? So I think if you can look at tech, there are a combination of reasons. Um, First of all, technology grew a lot in the pandemic, and some of those companies feel like they've overhired. I think here, one smaller company but bigger name is Peloton, right? So early on the pandemic, Peloton thinks they are going to really, really grow. Everybody's going to work out from home forever. For a software engineer, this is where your code can go farther. They hire a bunch of people. For a mechanical engineer, this is a place for the thing they wouldn't let you try at the last place. They really believed this story turns out to be wrong. Hey, are you all right? Turns out basically people are going to buy one Peloton bike, not seven Peloton bikes. So that's a situation where 
Peloton maybe overhires. I mean, I almost get it with Peloton because that seemed like a fad, but Google's been around for 25 years. They've got like a $1.3 trillion market cap, and this company, for the first time in its history, is having massive layoffs. What's up there? So I think you guys had my colleague Peter Kafka on to talk about this recently, right? Facebook and Google and Amazon said, oh, we're, we're growing like gangbusters. The pandemic, frankly, is good for us. It accelerates trends that we're well positioned to take advantage of. We're going to spend money. We're going to hire lots of people. Wall Street said, great, that all sounds good. And then, as happens often, Wall Street turned, changed its mind and said, no, we don't like that. And one of the issues there is that tech has just been this giant growth story for years and years. The Googles, the Metas, the Amazons. And at some point, they can't keep growing like that. They've kind of become real, regular companies, like a a finance company or any company that just kind of exists, a Walmart, whatever. You also have to remember that for years, interest rates were near zero. So it was really easy to borrow money. It was really cheap to borrow money to spend money. That is no longer the case. Interest rates are going up. Some people I've talked to have said, you know, this is to a certain extent a reset of some of these companies looking at their headcounts and saying, do we need all of these people? Do we want all of these people to be here? Is this really what's going to help us? And, you know, there is also a question here of shareholder primacy, right? We live in a world where companies ultimately answer to their shareholders, want to make them money. And a way that they think that they can do that is by spending less money on workers. When Salesforce lays off 8,000 people or 10% of its staff and the stock rockets higher, you have the blueprint for a tech turnaround. So this might sort of just be about optics. Let's make it look like we're being a little more conservative with our budgets and maybe our stock prices will turn around? I mean, they might need to be a little bit more conservative. Some of these companies that have had some rough earnings. You know, Meta had some really bad earnings. Um, and it is a way to save money. Now, is this a way to maybe grow your company in a way that you ultimately need in two, five years from now? Maybe not. But this is at least for some companies think the, the right thing to do now is what they will say. One thing a lot of these tech companies have in common, the Googles, the Twitters, the Facebook, is how much they rely on advertising for their bottom lines. And of course, they also share that in common with media, and we're seeing media layoffs as well. Is that the through line here between media and tech layoffs? That's at least part of it. Media is an ad-dependent business, and now a lot of advertisers are worried that a recession is on the horizon, so they are paring back their spending including on advertising. So that hits a lot of places, including in, in, in media companies, including, unfortunately, our media company, which recently did a round of layoffs. Vox Media announcing in a memo to staff that it will cut 7% of its workforce. That's according to multiple reports. What percentage of the overall workforce do these recent layoffs amount to? Is it big? Is it small? It's really, really tiny. Hmm. Really small. A lot of this is getting a lot of outsized attention. Obviously, it is bad for people to lose their jobs. It is sad. It is awful, full stop. But this is really small. For some perspective here, Meta laid off 11,000 people. Goldman Sachs in finance laid off 3,200. There are about 165 million people in the workforce. So it's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. 
I mean, again, it's a big deal for the people who lost their jobs, obviously. And it's also really scary if you do work in media, in tech, and finance, thinking even if within, you know, a Facebook or a Google, maybe they laid off one in 10 workers. It, it's scary, the idea that you could be one in 10. But in the broad, broad scheme of things, this really does not add up to much. It sounds like what you're saying is we're hearing about these layoffs a lot more because they're at some of the biggest tech companies and media companies in the world. Tech and media get a lot of attention. Are we seeing layoffs in the broader workforce worth noting? We are not seeing elevated levels of layoffs in the broader workforce. If you take a look at jobless claims week to week. All right. Well, let's start out with what's going on with initial jobless claims. They're the pretty consistent and they're lower than they were pre-pandemic. 186,000. That is a new cycle low. We kind of don't think about a lot of workers who maybe don't have a platform on on Twitter, right? If somebody in in construction gets laid off or somebody in leisure and hospitality, they maybe don't have a blue check mark, right? Um, those people are not being laid off right now. But those people are doing pretty well compared to especially how they've done in, in previous years. This sounds like a real contrast to, say, the last time we had a serious economic downturn, not counting the pandemic, the Great Recession, when construction work, for example, was the hardest hit. And also in the pandemic, you know, who lost their jobs? I went to work from home. You went to work from home. Who lost their jobs? Everybody at restaurants, everybody at hotels, everybody who had these in-person jobs, blue-collar jobs. There's a growing awareness from people in the higher-paid, higher-educated professions that they aren't kind of winning as much as they used to, and it's not really conscious. But I think that there is some level of awareness of that. You know, one person I spoke to for a story I did on this recently said, listen, like, there are people who maybe are used to making, you know, like a white-collar worker who is used to making 50% more than their cousin, and suddenly they're making 30% more. And and maybe that feels a little bit weird that it's like, wait, I got this college education, and I moved off to the big city. Why is this not happening? Or, you know, feeling like when you go to a restaurant, everything's more expensive, and not putting two and two together that part of the reason maybe things are a little bit more expensive is because— the person serving you is making a little bit more money. Do you think this inversion in how the world works will last? No. I think to the extent the economy remains good and things remain on a relatively solid trajectory, you can see a world that for at least a while, you know, blue-collar workers do get to hold on to some of this power. Some Businesses don't want to lay people off. You know, a lot of businesses remember how many people they laid off in March and April of 2020 and how hard it was to hire people back. And a lot of economists will tell you they think there's some stickiness because businesses don't want to struggle to hire workers back. At the same time, if there is a recession, it's really unlikely that it's going to be wildly different than the past several recessions. And if there is a a really broad economic slowdown, it's going to hit the people it always hits, which are lower-income and blue-collar workers. And this relationship in the meantime between tech and media and how much media covers tech and thus how much attention the layoffs at Amazon and Microsoft and and Google and, and who knows, the Washington Post might get, do you think that will end up having some impact on people's perception of the economy right now or or even how other companies might conduct their affairs, maybe conduct their layoffs? 
I mean, it absolutely has an effect. I had talked to someone last week who said they had seen a story that I'd written about the white-collar recession not really being reflective of the broader economy and said he'd showed it to his boss as proof that we're not in a, a huge recession. And he works in real estate, right? And his boss has been like, that's it. This is the end of times. So I think the economy has felt icky, for lack of a better word, for a while. And if enough people feel bad enough, if enough businesses say, well, time to start laying people off because something bad's going to happen, if enough consumers start saying, well, got to bend down the hatches, I can't spend money, then a recession can become a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so the outsized discourse around tech and media does matter. I think it's also important to say that, you know, hopefully next time there is a recession, there will be eventually. We pay attention to the people who don't have the biggest platforms. Like Those layoffs are, are important as well, just because you don't work at Google. A brief break so we can pay the bills, and then I'll ask Emily about eggs. It's Today Explained. Support for the show already comes from Factor, not Simon Cowell Factor, not Joe Rogan Factor. Uh, Factor with the fast premium meals without the work, Factor offers over 35 different options a week to choose from with options for your dietary needs. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, which saves you all that prep cooking and cleanup time. I've never saved all my prep, cooking, and cleanup time, but maybe Vox's Sarah Frank has. For lunch, I had a garlic mushroom chicken thigh meal with a side of green beans. I think from the time I pulled it out of the fridge to the time I plated it, it was less than five minutes. So for busy people like me, a super easy way to have a healthy meal in really just a few minutes. You can head to factormeals.com slash explained50 and use the code explained50 to get 50% off. That's code explained50 at factormeals.com slash explained50 to get 50% off. Support for this episode of Today Explained comes from the Wondery podcast, Wiki Hole. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued or what was in Al Capone's vault? Did you know he had a vault? Do you know which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, what are you doing? You're not spending enough time on Wikipedia, clearly. But that's okay because you can learn about it on the new podcast, Wiki Hole, from Smartless Media. Host Darcy Carden leads you down the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia. Her comedian friends join her. They bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to WikiHole, you know what the tympanic membrane is. WikiHole is a hyperlink roller coaster starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link, careening through links until it gets somewhere. You can follow WikiHole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to WikiHole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Today Explained, we're back still with Emily Stewart, who told us in the first half of the show that, yes, there are major layoffs happening in tech and also in media, but that 
while they may be sucking all the air out of the room, they do not necessarily have implications for the wider economy. But Emily, you did use the R word a few times in the first half of the show. So let's talk about the wider economy. What's going on? Are things getting better? It feels like things are getting better. Are they actually getting better? So inflation is getting better. It is slowing down. In December, the consumer prices rose by 6.5% from a year earlier. That's slower than it was in November. It really is getting a little bit better. So what we're seeing now is for the sixth month in a row, prices have cooled. So that is good news. And generally, We've seen gas prices, which are an important part of inflation, also a thing that exists on giant signs in people's daily lives. Gas prices have come down as well. How low will they go? Plummeting pump prices below $3 at this Atlanta area gas station Thursday. And so there is kind of a growing sense that we might be in store for a quote-unquote soft landing, meaning the economy cools off without pushing us into a recession, with the enormous caveat that nobody here can predict the future. We do not know what was going to happen. So generally, things are getting better, but let's talk about eggs, Emily. What about the eggs? It seems like the eggs are getting worse. So egg prices are uh, getting worse. Egg prices are higher if you have gone to the grocery store recently, you've probably noticed. According to new data from the Consumer Price Index, egg prices in December rose 60% from a year earlier. Eggs have been part of the inflation story for a while. During the pandemic, it became more expensive to feed chickens that lay eggs because they eat grains, right, and soy. The packaging became more expensive. There's also, you know, a movement to be, not to be flip here, but to be nicer to the chickens, right? It's a little bit more expensive if you don't put the chicken in a terrible cage. More recently, the story on egg prices has been that the the bird flu, basically, the chickens are sick. And when the chickens at a farm get sick, they have to depopulate the farm, which I think we can infer what that means. Basically, that means goodbye to all of the chickens. Very sad. And then it takes six months to repopulate the, the chicken farms. And so there are not there are not enough eggs. Okay, so the chicken thing's more of an exception, but but what about jobs more broadly? There's been pretty steady job growth throughout the Biden administration. Are we still growing in that arena? Yeah, so job growth has slowed down, but it's still strong. You know, wage growth has slowed down. I think this is one the Federal Reserve is keeping a close eye on here um, because they would like job growth maybe to to slow down a little bit more, but we will be finding out on February 3rd, the next jobs report, exactly what's going on. But overall, this sounds like a positive picture. So if the picture is positive, why do things still feel kind of bad? I think the headline here continues to be inflation makes everybody feel bad and weird and annoyed. Um, Even if, yes, inflation is slowing down and sure, the price of gas is slowing down, like, the restaurant down the corner that increased the price of your meal that you always order or whatever wine you order, like those prices are not coming down. They're still more expensive. Some prices are still going up. So nobody likes inflation. It's annoying, especially if your paycheck is not going up with it. I do think it's important to underline here also economic data has really kind of been all over the place for a while. Consumer spending had remained strong for quite some time despite inflation. That's starting to soften a little bit. Retail sales fell in December, which is notable because that's obviously the holiday shopping season. People were eating out less. They were spending less money on eating out. They were 
buying less cars. They were buying less furniture. The Federal Reserve has also been hiking interest rates since March. So that's almost a year now. And that affects a ton of things. That affects the housing market. So if you need to get a mortgage, it's going to be more expensive. It affects credit card interest rates and how much it costs to borrow. So, you know, the stock market, obviously, in 2022 was pretty rocky. Um, The S&P 500 is up this year, so that is good for stock investors. But also, the market's really keeping a close eye on what the Fed does. The Dow Jones started the day up, but saw a sharp drop-off at 2 p.m. The Federal Reserve made its announcement that we were all anticipating. It is raising interest rates by 75 basis points. And is the Fed going to keep raising rates, or are they going to quit it? They're going to keep at it, at least for a while. You know, I think Wall Street would hope that they will at least slow down and eventually stop this year. A lot of economists, especially progressive economists, also would like to see that happen as well. For right now, the Fed says they're not going to stop. They might slow down a little bit. Um, The Wall Street Journal also reported that there's a chance that they might pause maybe in the spring. But I don't think interest rate hikes are are over. How come? Why keep it up? A lot of it is inflation is still happening, um, and the Fed really wants to get that under control. And their main tool to do that is interest rate hikes. They feel like inflation did get out of hand. If you think back to prior to March 2022, there was a lot of theorizing that, that inflation was going to be transitory, that it would go away on its own. And there are a lot of economists and lawmakers and policymakers who feel that, that the Fed was too slow. On, on starting to raise interest rates. And so now they're trying to catch up. So it seems like they're going to keep at it. You know, I think the the thing that we don't talk about openly w- as the Fed increases interest rates is that the big trade-off they're sort of seeking here is, is softness in the job market. And so what that means is a lot of the time they want people to not see their wages go up. And, you know, even more bluntly, they want people to lose their jobs. Do we know where this ends, Emily? Is there an endgame here for the Fed for all this talk about a possible recession? So, you know, what the Fed wants is a 2% inflation over the long term. So, you know, if you think that we are at 6.5% right now, we are uh, we are a way off. Mm. That being said, you know, I've talked to economists who say that 2% number is made up. Right. Like, no, it's not in the Constitution that that inflation has to be two percent. There is a world where the Fed could say, hey, maybe we're okay with three percent, four percent for a while, especially if that means people will not lose their jobs. Will they do that? We don't know, but they could. And the Fed is willing to risk a recession in theory to get that number down, to get it from six to four or three or two. Yes. That hasn't changed. No, I mean, the Fed, you know, everybody here, I don't think the Fed wants recession. Jay Powell, Fed chair, does not want a recession, obviously. Um, but they really, really want to get inflation under control. Um, and the way that they do it is by risking a recession. I mean, that being said, we could see a soft landing. We did see a soft landing in the 1990s. Um, it's not impossible. But... <sighs> We really don't know. And I think it's also important to emphasize here, and this, again, is a consistent story. What happens next in the economy is not just whatever the Fed says. There is still a war in Ukraine. COVID still exists. 
all of that kind of stuff. Who knows, right? Like the past three years have been wild and everything's been unprecedented. There could be something else to get through a wrench into things. So it isn't just the Fed that that's going to decide this. Where does this leave the average American worker or someone around the world listening to this right now? I mean, between worrying about your job, worrying about recession, worrying about inflation, worrying about eggs, or maybe even worrying less, what do you tell your friends when they ask you, Emily? What's the way to be? So I'm like not the most optimistic person, full stop, about the economy, and I do not know what will happen next. But like I don't feel that terrible. Like if I think back to March 2020 when it was like, is is this like the next Great Depression? Am I going to die of hunger or of, of a pandemic? Like, did you think that? Did you think, am I going to die of hunger? <laughs> I don't know. I was pretty scared for a while. I was like pretty doomsday. I was wondering if I was going to die of not having toilet paper. <laughs> okay, well, that wasn't a problem in Flatbush. Inflation is coming down. The job market is strong. I think there is something to be said that people who don't usually win in the job market are winning a little bit now, and that's good, right? Like, people who have not been able to quit jobs, who have not been able to jump to higher-paying jobs have, and that is positive. And yes, obviously, the prospect of a potential layoff is scary, but the job market isn't awful. Uh, A tech worker, you know, who maybe got laid off. Obviously, that is upsetting. That is bad. They may not be able to be as choosy in finding their next job. But if you're a software engineer, um, the job market is still pretty good for you. So things are not great, but they haven't been super great for a while. But they're not nearly as terrible as a lot of the headlines would lead you to believe. Emily Stewart, Vox, she didn't pick the music, so don't blame her. Miles Bryan, Vox, he did pick the music as the producer of this episode. Tweet your thoughts to Miles underscore underscore Bryan. That's Bryan with a Y. Matthew Collette edited. Laura Bullard fact-checked. Paul Robert Mounsey mixed and mastered. Special thanks to Dave Colon in New York City. Treat your workers not so... Well, you know. I'm Sean Ramos-Furham. It's Today Explained. 